City Unplugged. Yeah. Yes. I want to tell you, uh, the devil may have thought of that in the electronics going out for something that was going to cause a problem. But see, what he didn't realize is I would be speaking this morning. <laughs> and if some of you around here know, I can project a little bit. So just warn me, I'll leave this off, just warn me if it's good, and I, I won't. All right, oh, there you go, see? We'll, we'll see how long it lasts. Well, again, good morning, Redeemer City Church. I'm so glad to see all of you here. And I want to ask a favor of you before we get started. If, if you could indulge me and everybody just stand one more time. And what I'd like you to do, in in whatever way you feel comfortable in the world we now live in, I want you to welcome one another. But do this. Find somebody that maybe you don't know that well and just turn around and just say hello. So let's just do that for a minute. Just greet one another. Hey, brother. Hey, how are you? How does that feel? All right, we'll continue that afterwards. How did that feel? Feel kind of good? You know, just kind of relaxes everybody. I, you know, I know when I come into a room, even when I come here, I... I walk in, and honestly, I, I think I have a little bit of a shield on. I don't know who I'm going to see. There are people I don't know. Maybe I should know them. Have they been here before? Am I going to embarrass them by asking them if they're a first-timer? And they've been here, and I just missed it or didn't recognize them? So there's all sorts of preconceived ideas in my head, concerns, worries. But the one thing I do know that whatever my preconceived ideas, concerns, or worries are, this is where I should be, right? In community, in community with all of you, and in unity with you. You know, when Mitch asked me to speak and our associate pastor, Jerome, asked me to speak, they said, hey, we're still in the book of Psalms. You can pick any psalm you want. Your choice. Well, I kind of equated that to the other week when uh, I had the opportunity to take our five-going-on-15-year-old grandson to Target. And uh, truth be known, Darby and I had the two boys, the five-year-old and the two-year-old. Well, the two-year-old is the type of two-year-old that goes from zero to 100 in 1.2 seconds. 
and never stops. Uh, the five-year-old sometimes, I wouldn't say gets pushed to the side, but, you know, the, the two-year-old is a whirlwind, right? So she said, hey, go, go take him, you know, take him with you but, and do something with him. You know, a little side note, too, is we never admit to, to the parents that we're exhausted when we get done with them. But we'll, just, just a little secret, when, when you know, we're, we're totally, after two days, we're wiped out. I mean, we're wiped but when they come picking up, it's like, ah, it's a piece of cake. It's all good. It's all good. You know? Plus, we never tell them all the junk we feed them either. But that's kind of, that's not a well-known, that's a well-known secret of grandparents. But anyway, so I took uh, Dalton to Target. And uh, when I took him to Target, I said, pick out a toy. Well, parents, how long did it take for him to pick out a toy? Oh, yeah, I, I, mean, I think I cut it off in an hour. I don't know what it was, you know. I mean, it you know, and I was kind of the same way with the psalm. It's like you go through, and there's a lot of them. And, of course, you know, immediately I started thinking myself. I started thinking, I'm going to pick this. Oh, this, this is a good one. This is a tried and true. Everybody knows it. A lot of verses. It'll just be real easy for me to get up there and talk. But I started praying about what was on my heart. And there's been a lot of discussion about community, togetherness in the world for obvious reasons. We spent a lot of months uh, all of us isolated, some more than others. So community has been on my mind. It's been in my heart. And uh, I actually did a smart thing. I started praying. And I started praying for guidance. And there was this one little psalm that I know I've read before, maybe even thought it was nice. But the amazing thing about the Bible, as most of you know, all of you I'm sure know, is you read it once, you read it again, and you find something there that you've really never seen. So, thinking about it, I came across, or praying about it, I came across Psalm 133. Psalm 133 is written by David. It could be described as a sonnet. It's three verses. At first glance, it's pretty basic. Or not basic, but simple, let's say. It's not the shortest uh, psalm in the Bible, but it certainly is one of the shorter. There's a couple of them that I think are two verses. But the descriptive language of 133 is, you can put that up on the screen there, Shelley. 133 is, is beautiful. I'm going to go ahead and read 133 to you. And I want you to focus on the visual description that David paints. I would suggest that at this first reading that you close your eyes so your heart can do the listening. And don't worry, we'll have it on the screen to read again uh, several times. So if you choose, close your eyes, and I'm going to read it. Psalm 133, a song of ascent of David. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like a precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. I'm going to read that again. I want you to, if you chose to keep your eyes closed, that's fine, or you want to open them and read along with me. 
How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like a precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now, this was possibly sung during uh, an important time in David's life, his kingship. Uh, We don't really know when it was written, but many uh, theologians, scholars, believe that it was probably written at a time when his kingship fully became just that. You know, for what we sometimes don't realize or we at history we kind of gloss over is that during David's time, his life, there was a lot of strife, a lot of civil war within the tribes of, of Israel. But it was very likely that he wrote this when the tribes of Israel came together and they were ascending down into Hebron. All right. Therefore, it would be, what, a song of ascent. Uh, makes a lot of sense. We also know, or we do know, that it's one of 15 psalms, 120 through 134, that was sung as the pilgrims would come to Jerusalem uh, to make their three annual treks to the temple for worship. But I think that's just a wonderful visual, right, that the tribes ascending into Hebron and coming together in what, as it says, in unity. And it's pretty amazing that David was the one to write this psalm when his life was filled with so much discord, disunity, civil war, war, strife. I mean, you read in the Bible. I mean, this guy was on the run for a long time, hanging out in caves, hiding. All right? But this is the guy that wrote this psalm, the psalm of unity. And I suppose in one way it makes sense because with so much discord and strife, he's somebody that really appreciated and celebrated it. You know, and it's something that, unfortunately, we can relate to. You know, time of division and discord. In our case, national division and discord. Unfortunately, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Let's talk about the description in this psalm. It's, it, it, it really has some wonderful verbiage. And it's something that you can picture in your mind's eye. Although us as modern Christians, the descriptions may be a little bit foreign to us. So let's, let's unpack those. If we go to verse 2, and what a descriptive verse. Let me read it again. It's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Aaron was the elder brother of Moses. He was a Levite. He was a priest. Priests were ordained or blessed with a fragrant oil. It was a blessing usually placed on the head and possibly sprinkled on the robe. But David likens community and unity to the oil flowing down Aaron's beard, to his collar, to his robe. In other words, a bountiful blessing of fragrant oil. In other words, this was a moment where that fragrant oil was just poured, was heaped on him, the blessings. And what David is describing to us as a community, 
how wonderful it is to be in unity. And while we know that outer world, sadly, will never be fully in unity, that we as a Christian community can strive to be that. Amen? The bountiful blessing of the fragrant oil, it's, it's, it's a good and pleasant thing. Keep in mind that re- priests are representatives, uh, representatives of us as God's children and now as followers of Jesus. So back then when a priest received the fragrant oil, you know, he was behind the curtain in the, in the well, in the temple, but before that, in the tents, in the inner sanctum with God. And those blessings were as a representative of who? Of us, right? Christ has now taken that place, right? And he is our representative. David tells us that in community we can receive this type of overflowing blessing. Hard to believe, but that's exactly what he's saying. We can receive those types of blessings. In fact, in the New Testament, in Luke 7.46, Jesus talks about oil. And you may recall the story of the, the, I think they title it in the Bible, the sinful woman who met Jesus in uh, Sadducee's house and came in and wept. And as she wept, she washed his feet with tears. She took an alabaster jar of what was considered very expensive perfumed oil, and she poured perfume on his feet. And, but Jesus said to the owners of the house, you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet, signifying her extreme love and her desire to know Jesus. And what Jesus was saying, of course, that they didn't recognize him, did they? They did not recognize him as the priest, the prophet, and certainly the son of man. Right? They did not recognize him. But this woman did. And her, in her humble way, she blessed him with oil. So you can see throughout the Bible that uh, this blessing, this overflowing love and blessing... You know, when I read uh, this, I think of Aaron as he received this blessing of fragrant oil. Uh, and that as a community, we are to receive the full blessing needed to be fully present, to listen. Right? What do I mean by that? Being all present. Can you imagine Aaron with the oil flowing down? The, and that's the blessing of God. How fully present he must have been to just be in that moment. Hopefully you all have had that experience at least a few times in your life where it's just, you're there. There's no tomorrow or there's no next minute. There's no you know, past. There's no, you're just there. And I can just imagine Aaron feeling that. To be able to enjoy that. I had an uh, it's great experience. Uh, I don't know. It's probably been 10, 11 years ago. I had a good friend that was uh, in Jacksonville, and he was a member of a Franciscan order. He, he was a layman. He was not a priest, but uh, and he happened to be an Anglican or Episcopalian. And it, he uh, called me up out of the blue, and I hadn't seen him in a few years. He said, hey, 
we're having a retreat. There's going to be about 15, 20 of us out over in Lake Wales. Would you like to come? I said, sure. Wasn't doing anything that weekend. So, well, this will be interesting. Maybe I'll learn something. And it was a group of Episcopalians. There were some Catholics there as well um, in this Franciscan order. And they invited uh, a monk. Yes, the kind of monk, you know, with the brown robe, the rope, you know, the whole nine yards. And this, this guy's probably in his late 30s, young man, relatively young man, uh, tall guy, probably 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, so he, you know, he, he looked pretty cool in his, in his brown robe there, right? You know? Of course, uh, he was an Episcopalian monk. Now, a lot of you are wondering, what? That's, yes, that's a thing. There's not many of them around, but it is a thing. And he came to be the, the lead speaker. And again, there were 15, 20 of us. And he was a wonderful speaker, very humble man. He's taken a vow of poverty. Uh, you know, it's, it was great. But I can remember uh, the first morning we got up and we went to breakfast. And at breakfast, uh, he just happened to sit right across from me. And uh, I noticed there were like cereals and there was, you know, just toast and whatever. But I noticed, too, that the, he grabbed a box of cereal. But it wasn't like a brand name. It was like, it was like little circles of fruit, like in the white box with the you know, block lettering. In other words, it was kind of like fake Fruit Loops, right? He's like, yeah, I was about to try it. He took a big old bowl. He poured a bunch of it in there and took what was like some ultra-skimmed, like off-brand milk. I mean, you know. I mean, how good could it be, right? And I'm looking at him, well, I, you know, I guess I'll fill him up. But what I noticed was he said a silent prayer. We'd said a collective prayer. We said a silent prayer. He took a spoon, and he just started eating this. The pleasure on his face, <laughs> the sheer pleasure of eating this, you could see it. It was otherworldly. It wasn't carnal in any way. He was enjoying this as a blessing of God. I mean, and it, it kind of threw me for a loop, to be honest with you. I, I never, never experienced anything like that, that this certainly man of God would be able to translate a blessing of fake Fruit Loops to something wonderful. And I thought to myself, how blessed have I? And I just sometimes miss it. I miss those blessings. And Aaron, and in this psalm, Dave writes, he's just showing that blessing. It, it also made me think of being in the here and now and how important listening is. And it, as a community of believers, I know for me it's very easy for me to listen to you, but at the, the same time, and and. Darby, my wife, will tell you I usually have about five different conversations going on in my head. So while I'm listening to you, I'm also seeing this person over here. Oh, I probably need to talk to them. And where are we going to lunch? And, oh, wait, I know what you're going to really say, so I'm going to prepare something good to say. You know, Am I listening? You know, for those of you that are in the corporate world, you probably, you know, had active listening courses. But it's more than that. It's about being fully present, truly listening, making eye contact, emptying your mind, and letting the words of that individual come to you. 
how blessed you will be. The things you will learn about people. It's amazing. Take the time to see that person for who they are, a child of God. And let them, with their words, pour pour that oil, that fragrant oil upon your head. And not just a little, but have it run down, if you're lucky enough to have hair. Run down your hair, down your robe, that blessing. So that thinking is very important. And in fact, it was just a couple weeks ago that we had the pastor of Skycrest speak to us, Mitch's old church that still to this day supports us. And he had somebody I didn't realize was with him, a gentleman by the name of Ernest Smith. Did anybody, did anybody meet Ernest? Yeah. Ernest was just sitting over there. I, you know, I saw him. I had that fear, oh, should I know him? I don't know him. But I just, for some reason, decided, yeah, I'm going to go up and say hi. And the first thing I noticed about Ernest was something different. I, I couldn't really put my finger on it because he didn't look different, per se. But he was asking me questions and then listening. And listening well. It was a little... Uh, it, I, I was actually a little taken back by it because he was that engaged. But as I allowed myself to speak from the heart, the engagement became something greater. And I knew immediately this is somebody I wanted to get to know. He's an interesting fellow. And he asked me some questions about me and, you know, that who else do you want to talk about but yourself, right? So I had no, no problem telling him a little bit about myself. But, you know, I soon asked about him and who he was. And it turns out that uh, Ernest does actually give speeches, actually talks about listening, and he teaches people how to actively listen. So it was kind of cool. And I started talking to him, and uh, through, uh, through discussion, this didn't come out right away, but it turns out that Ernest happened to have gone to West Point, became a captain in the Army, served two tours uh, in Iraq. And as we were talking, and I, I told him, I said, you know, I, I have trouble. I will have four or five conversations going in my mind at one time, and, and I miss things. He goes, I get that. He said, I'll tell you, I was the same way until uh, I was uh, get, hopping in a Humvee just after one had been destroyed in Fallujah, and uh, we had somebody come up to us, a local, and say, hey, I want to tell you, about two blocks down on the left, you don't want to go there because he was listening, right? Sad that he had to learn to listen that way, but he's the type of person with God's help. It's, it's, he's come to understand uh, what that active listening has done. And, in fact, I'm having lunch with him uh, next Wednesday. So I just want to get to know him better. A really cool guy. So, you know, that started me thinking about Listening more actively. Listening is a commitment. Being in community is a commitment. It's a commitment, but it's something that we'll get many bountiful blessings from. Let's go to verse 3. Let's talk about the descriptive vision there. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. 
For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. And again, in the Bible, Genesis 27, 28 says, May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. In Zechariah 8, 12 it always bothered me they called Zechariah and all the minor prophets. You know, that's a bad rap, right? You know, just because they were a few words doesn't mean what they have to say isn't very important. But Zechariah 8.12, The seed will grow well, the vine will yield its fruit, the ground will produce its crops, and the heavens will drop their dew. I will give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people. In verse 3, it talks about Mount Hermon. Well, Mount Hermon is the highest mountain in the region. It rises to over 9,000 feet. It is usually snow-capped throughout the year. And in contrast to Hermon, Mount Zion in the summer, it's a hot and dusty little hill. So think of this descriptive narrative. Imagine the dew of a snow-capped mountain falling on the dust of a bald little hill. Imagine God's abundant supply falling on the dry ground of our little lives. This is a wonderful picture of God's refreshing and renewing a dried-out life. That's what it's like when God's people live in unity and when they have discovered their anointing for ministry. David says in the psalm, There the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. This psalm brings to mind in a reconciled community in which you are anointed for ministry and constantly renewed. You never run dry. You never run dry. Now imagine that life under the bless, this blessing of God, that you never run dry. This is a life that God promises forevermore, the life that begins now for everyone who is in Jesus Christ. Every time we see reconciliation take place, every time a person discovers They're calling and gifted for ministry. And every time we gather together, we are refreshed in the presence of Jesus Christ. We are getting a little taste of heaven on earth. Fragrant oil flowing down, fully present. We're experiencing a little bit of that heaven on earth. Let's go back to the first verse, which is really the linchpin of this psalm. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. You know, we, yeah, I alluded to it earlier, and you can't help but think about what we as a nation and a world just experienced. You know, it was a life-changing event. COVID-19 did something just as debilitating, though, as making people sick. It separated us. It separated us from friends and family, from neighbors and church communities. Most of us lost any sense of community. Many people were stricken with loneliness and isolation. In some, this isolation manifested into physical and mental illness. Physical abuse and mental abuse have sadly increased. And according to the CDC, drug overdoses reached an all-time high in 2020. Why? 
These are certainly complex problems that most would say have complex solutions. But we do know isolation, loneliness, lack of community was a significant contributor. We at Redeemer City are truly blessed to be able to start to come back into community. And that includes those in line, online. That whether you're on a Zoom call or you're here today, we have that opportunity to truly come back in community. In the first verse, we are told that it is good and pleasant when God's people live in unity. It's very important to listen carefully to what that means. There are things in life that are good, but not necessarily pleasant. Uh, when I was growing up, my mother on occasion would give me cod liver oil. Does everybody know what cod liver oil is? We got some younger folks. For those, this is before you could do the omega-3 fish oil uh, pill. Your cod liver oil comes in a bottle, and trust me when I tell you, it don't taste too good. But my mother gave it to me because it was good for me, but it certainly wasn't pleasant. Uh, most of us know the story of Mary Poppins or seen the movie, the, the new one or the old one. And Mary uh, Poppins gave a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. Why? Because the medicine was good, but it was not pleasant. David tells us God wants to have this unity or community because it is good and pleasant. So, you know, when we get up in the morning, kids are screaming, we're running around, we're getting ready to go to church, we go, yeah, it'd be a good thing for us to go to church. But here's the amazing thing, guys. It's also pleasant. If we are present in the moment, if we actively and fully listen, and if we share in community and we have unity. We talk about a lot about church community, but have we truly embraced it as God wants us to? Have we fully leaned in and been willing to be a part of God's community of believers? Folks, I have a confession to make. I have not. I would assume several of you would say the same. I, I, I've come back, obviously, to church, but I felt well out of sorts, kind of sluggish, having trouble getting back in the swing of things if I ever really was fully engaged before COVID. My commitment to you as my church family is to lean in to be more involved, allow myself to be vulnerable, hard thing for me to do, folks, and to be here for others. I can't say that I will be perfect in doing so. In fact, there will be times I won't want to be here. Why? I'm not sure. But I do know this. I rarely, if ever, once I am here, go to church or I meet in a city group, do I not feel better once I'm there? I mean, I think we've all been to an event uh, or a place, and we, we really didn't want to go. But once we got there, we were, we were kind of glad we went. We kind of made ourselves go. And truthfully, that's the way sometimes it is to be in community. I do fully believe, though, that as I'm more vulnerable and open, 
willing to come and participate with all of you, get to know you better, that not only will it be good for me, but it'll be pleasant as well. God makes this promise that our community is a good and pleasant thing. We have the blessing and opportunity to be part of Redeemer City and to attend City Group. I strongly urge everyone here to consider a small group, to be part of a City Group. A City Group simply is a gathering of believers, a small gathering. This community here is vital. But we're to live in community always. And to have a small community of believers that you can share things with, that you can actively listen to be fully present with, is vital for your growth. And, hey, it's vital for others. And the blessing of community that is good and pleasant is it gives you an opportunity to grow in Christ. Paul says it a number of times in the Bible. In Galatians 6, 2, He says to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In Romans 12, 4 through 5, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Let me read that again, verse 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. As Christ believers, as human beings, we are made in the image of God, and we have a yearning to know him. Throughout the Bible, it talks of community and God's desires for us to be in unity. By being together, we all can use the gifts of God or the gifts that God has bestowed upon us. You may have heard the term fivefold church, or maybe we around here we use the term apest. The gifts that God blesses us with are innate within us and were delivered to us through Christ, who was fully perfect. Those gifts that manifest themselves as apostolic, this is where the apest comes from, they're prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding and teaching. All of us have some, if not all, of these gifts, but in order to fully realize God's desire to know him better, we must be in community so as to be in one and more like Christ, who is perfect and was fully formed of these gifts. In other words, I may have more of an apostolic tendency, you know, the kind of person who wants to charge up the hill, right? Pastor Jerome has a prophetic heart. So does my wife. If I'm not in community with prophets and teachers and shepherds, what am I missing? Yeah, I I can read about it, and, and most of us have some degree of those gifts, but I know that I am primarily more of an apostolic nature. And I don't slow down sometimes to to really sometimes to listen. And sometimes I need that prophet in my ear, so it's exciting to be married to one. Because she'll let me know sometimes in my ear, hey, buddy. Straighten up, fly right. I'm going to go ahead and call the band up now. Uh, And as I do, 
Uh, Shell, if you could put up the final slide. Let's be in community. I ask that today, as you leave this community of believers, that you take the time to pray, search your heart, and ask yourself, what it would be like to be in real community and to pray about a blessing of being in a place that's not only good, but is pleasant. That's what God offers us, folks. That's what God offers us in this community today, this morning. It's what he offers us in small communities and the city groups. So choose a city group or, or help to start one. Look, Jerome will, will, will hook you up. Let's get one started. Let's get them all over the city. They don't have to be something formal. They can simply be folks getting together and breaking bread with one another. Believers. Be intentional with your words, thoughts, and deeds. We've heard it a million times, haven't we? But the great thing is with a community of believers, together in that safe place, we can truly be intentional. Practice active listening. You know, as believers, our, our job or our commission is to go out and be a light of the world, isn't it? Folks, I can tell you that one of the best ways to do that is to learn how to actively listen. Because I will tell you that people who are non-believers, if you practice active listening, they're going to do just like I did to Ernest. They're going to, what? what's going on? I mean, he's really listening. They'll pick up on it. That's a real opportunity. It's an opportunity for them to share your love of Christ by actively listening. Live today in the now. If you decide to go out of here and go to lunch, I want you to remember that monk with those fake Fruit Loops and how much he just loved them. So whatever you're going to have, whether it's uh, you know a McDonald's Happy Meal or you're going to have a steak, relish in it. Enjoy it. Enjoy to the glory of God. And bathe in God's love as David did. I am committing to community, folks. God tells me it is nothing like castor oil. It is a good and pleasant thing. Please join me. Band is going to sing a song. And I will come up and... Uh, have us depart with the final prayer.